gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 285 as we creep closer and closer to 300. You know, The Flash has been a big part of the legacy of this podcast. We've done a lot of episodes on The Flash. We've had the showrunner of season eight of The Flash, Eric Wallace. That's episode 274. But way back in episode one, we had a Flash artist, Scott Collins, a great comic book artist, and we were talking about the impact the show was having on the comic book and on the legacy of the character. We had Teddy Sears on, uh, who played Zoom uh, back in episode 36. And we've done specific episodes on the crossovers. Episode 51, when it was Flash vs. Arrow. Episode 83, The Crisis on Earth X. That was the one when Barry and Iris were supposed to get married. And they uh, find out there's an Earth X and uh, there's an evil Supergirl and an evil Arrow. All these evil characters and... Uh, it was a, a crossover with Arrow and the Legends of Tomorrow and uh, all these different shows. Then we did two episodes on the Crisis on Infinite Earths, episodes 162 and 167 of that massive crossover. And we're going to be talking to one of the brainchilds of that crossover, Mark Guggenheim, very, very soon here on this podcast. But things have started to change at the CW. There's the rumor that the network is for sale. We did an episode on that. We've covered Black Lightning. We This podcast has really focused a lot on the CW and the Arrowverse and that show, The Flash. Episode 269 on a potential sale uh, and what it would mean for the Arrowverse. Well, today we have a lovely, lovely guest, uh, Danielle Panabaker, one of the original actors on The Flash TV show. She plays Caitlin Snow. And uh, if you've been following The Flash, you also know that that character has split off. She had turned into Frost, which really is the basis from Killer Frost. Um, Not so much a killer because it's a CW show, uh, but she was Frost. And spoilers, uh, if you're up to date, you know that uh, Frost recently died. So she was playing two people, and now one of those people is, is out. Another subject that we've mentioned here on the podcast is the legacy of this show. When we spoke with Eric Wallace, we talked about how this could be the last superhero property that literally could have this long run because everything else is now short episode runs. 
you know, short series. You know, you're looking at Obi-Wan Kenobi and Moon Knight and The Boys and things that are very, very tight, very highly produced. And to be able to do 20 episodes a season uh, is pretty wild. And The Flash recently expanded to 20 episodes here in season eight. Danielle Panabaker was a teenage actress. She's been in Disney films. Uh, she's been in thrillers. She was in the remake of Friday the 13th. Uh, she was on Necessary Roughness. She was on uh, Bones and Justified. And uh, now she is Caitlin Snow. And she's been Caitlin Snow since 2014. So we are talking about The Flash. And uh, we are thrilled to have one of the originals. I mean, this is one of the OG Flash people. This is Danielle Panabaker. She plays Caitlin and Frost. And if you've been watching The Flash the last couple of weeks, you know there's a little bit of a twist in her uh, her her run on the on the CW show. Danielle, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. First things first. Um, before we get into Frost's fate, spoilers, folks, uh, it, it, the, the episode's been out for two weeks. And if you're listening to this, you saw the, the, the last couple of episodes, you, you know, without getting too personal, you're expecting. I mean, you, you put it all over social media, so that's not a secret. <laughs> um, so they have to do creative filming for two things. They have to make sure that you're not pregnant in the show and you're two people. Yes. How long are those days? What, what, what you know kind what? of a pain in the neck was that? It's, um, you know, it, it's a challenge for sure. When they, I think when Eric first pitched me the idea of splitting Frost and Caitlin into two characters, it was only meant to be for a couple of episodes. It was, I think Mirror Master was going to split her into an episode 17 of season six. And then by the end of season six, it was going to be wrapped up nicely and they'd be back in one body. And then the pandemic, and then one, I was pregnant with my first child. And so that shortened my season six, but two, there was also the pandemic. So that shortened season six entirely. Mm -hmm. So the splitting got kicked to season seven. And again, it was not, it was only meant to be for a few episodes. And here we are two full seasons later playing two completely different characters. And it's not, you know, they're not similar. We, we had a director come on this season and she was like, oh, I've worked with two. I, I worked on Vampire Diaries and Nina Dobrev played two characters. And I was like, yeah, but did one of them have white hair and blue lips? <laughs> <laughs> There's just, you know, it's just, it's a huge, it's a, big change to go from one character to the other and you know over the last couple of years we've certainly got it down to as quickly as we can um but it does it does take time so you know they try and structure the days accordingly um and you know the hair and makeup people are amazing on our show and they really hustle to try and we keep it we try and keep it as short as possible um so, you know, there, there's that. And then on top of it, yes, I'm expecting again. And, you know, you do what you can with wardrobe, but <laughs> the camera is not very forgiving. The camera is very two-dimensional. You noticed that. I, okay, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I knew you were coming on, I looked. I can't tell. I, really? You, you can't tell. You, you, I, you, I'm, not, and I'm not kissing your ass here. You're already on the podcast. I can tell. I, I couldn't tell the difference. And, you know, I've... I'm, I, I've, I've, I've lived through pregnancies. I've seen what it does. <laughs> I, I don't know. There, it, I couldn't 
I was like, can I see something? What I'm more amazed about is the scenes with the two of you together. Sure. And you're pregnant. Yes. So it's creative shooting for one of those characters. And so maybe when I asked the question, you were talking about the differences between the two. What I'm crazy about is, do you have like a Frost day and a, and a Caitlin day? No. Because what I'm thinking about is there, you're in that set and yes, it's your set. So it's, it's a constructed set where the cameras are placed in specific places, but they're really accommodating. And again, no, don't, don't think this is wrong. I'm not trying to kiss your ass here, but they are going through leaps and bounds to make sure that you look good in these scenes playing two people in the same room. They've had, we've had a lot they, of practice. They must now really like point. you. You, you must've done something really nice because they must really like you. I mean, thank you. They, you know, it's, it's certainly been a challenge and they did, they did some version of the multi-characters with Tom Cavanaugh over the years. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I wish there was, I should have, I should have had someone film it at some point, the behind the scenes stuff of when I'm filming both characters, you know, there's usually a photo double who's playing the other character if they need to see like over my shoulder. So it's, you know, someone's got a wig on. That I can tell, right. That I can tell. But when we do the wide shots that tend to have two people, that's often um, a techno dolly. And so it's actually one of the more challenging things I've done as an actor in my career is because we'll do the first character first. Typically we do Caitlin first, just because to switch from the change from Caitlin to Frost is faster. Um, So I'll typically do everything as Caitlin first and the dolly records everything. And then you're married to that timing. So the dolly records what we do and we do a take. And once everyone's happy with it, I go off and I change. And sometimes they shoot something else in the middle though. You know, maybe they go to another set and try and shoot a and little let me, scene very Let me cut quickly. you off for, for one second. I'm not getting into the, the minutia of the details, but when you say you go off and change, is that an hour? <laughs> is that two hours? It's about 90 minutes. We, we try and do it faster, but you know, I have to get, I have a lot of hair you get it wrapped up and then the makeup and you know, the blue lipstick and the glitter that goes everywhere. And then you have to get the wig on and pinned on and then glued on. So it's, it's a tedious process. Um, And then I come back as the other character and I have to match the timing exactly that my double did. So I'm matching a timing that's not my performance. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Um, And if you take an extra breath or take an extra beat, then the whole take is ruined. Oh, wow. Uh, The whole thing fascinates me. It's challenging um, because you yeah. want to keep it, you know, you want to keep the scene natural and alive. Um, but, you know, being married to the timing is, is, is challenging for sure. The other thing I was fascinated by is how flippant you use the term mirror master. And I just wonder <laughs> if eight years ago, uh, if someone had said mirror master, you would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? 100%. 100%. <laughs> This episode of the Hall of Justice is brought to you by our friends at Smile Brilliant. Did you know that 40 million people, that's not the audience of the podcast, don't worry, we have few million, but they are damaging their teeth because of night grinding in their sleep or day clenching at work. I grinded my teeth and now I have one of my front teeth is a little bigger than the other one. And to fix it and to make it even would be very costly and wouldn't be really permanent. If you grind your teeth, you're damaging your enamel. You're inviting infections, cavities, and lifelong tooth sensitivity. 
Preventing the damage is much easier than seeking a cure. Stop the damage with custom-fitted night guards using Smile Brilliance lab-directed process from the comfort of your own home. Go to the website, smilebrilliant.com, and use the promo code HOJ for Hall of Justice. You can get 20% off the entire site. A digital model of your teeth is kept on file, so reordering is easy and affordable. Use HOJ at checkout for the Hall of Justice for 20% off site-wide. Teeth don't regrow, so once you grind through them, that's all you get. Do something easy to prevent a potential problem that will really impact your entire life. 40 million people are impacted by this thing. I guarantee you, the listeners of the Hall of Justice really, really benefit. Use the promo code HOJ for Hall of Justice. That's www.smilebrilliant.com. The promo code is HOJ. Now back to the show. Like how, how well versed are you in flash speak? Like not at all. It's funny. I made a choice sort of early on to read a little bit of the comics and kind of understand uh, the, the themes of it. But, you know, our show, there's so many different, as I'm sure you know better than I, there's so many different um, sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not generations, but um, iterations, iterations. Yes. Of flash and, you know, when it's reborn and that sort of thing that I wanted to just focus on our show and the stories that our show is telling rather than try and get too confused with all the different comics out there. Um, so I am not very well versed when I learn about someone who's coming on the show, um, particularly as a director, like in episode or in season five, the first episode I directed was introducing Godspeed. You know, I try and do a little bit of research to learn more about them, but typically I am not your best flash expert. No, it was just, but you were very flippant about mirror master. I, <laughs> I didn't like, mean to be flippant. Like a bunch of fans are listening to this podcast. Like, Oh my God, she just said mirror master. <laughs> um, the interesting uh, part of it, you mentioned, you know, the, the history of, of the character, you know, I remember questioning in the very, very beginning, the decision to make grant uh, Barry Allen. Mm. You know, just the idea. And I, I talked to Todd Helbing about this. I talked to Eric Wallace on the podcast about this. And, you know, just throughout the years of the show, because we started this podcast in 2015. So mm -hmm. it's been pretty much the run of your, your show. You, your show started mm -hmm. before uh, we came up with this cockamamie idea. The, um, the idea being there was a generation of people who are now adults that saw that Justice League cartoon with Wally West. Michael Rosenbaum played right. Wally West. And the idea, and then once they had announced the hiring of John Wesley Shipp, my theory was have him be Barry Allen. He was mm. Barry Allen and have this and Grant be Wally West and have it be Wally's story and what that could be. You know, Candace Patton could have still been the girlfriend. It just didn't have to be Iris and, you know, all, all those different things. And unlike Arrow and unlike the other CW shows, I thought the Flash got the most scrutiny in the beginning because of the fact that that character had been on TV before and in all these different iterations. I mean, I think you're probably right. And I think Grant would probably agree with you too. I think, you know. Oh, he's like my white whale. I will, we'll have him on. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Um, so, you know, 
I think it did get, I mean, I only have the experience I have on this show of, you know, in terms of the scrutiny it got. So I don't, I don't really have anything to compare it to. Um, But yeah, I think it's, it was definitely challenging at times. Well, and the biggest thing I loved was after season one, which was so incredible. Mm. uh, Season one was captivating. Like it was, it's probably the last time I remember racing to a television to see something on public television. Like, oh, that's just, amazing. It Thank was, you. It, and again, you're already on the podcast. I'm not saying that <laughs> the, 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 the challenge for the flash, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, um, is the amount of episodes that you guys have done. I mean, yep. it's, it's so much, and you've seen before your very eyes, the change in the model, which now shows even in the superhero genre or not are, you know, three seasons, 10 episodes each or eight yeah. episodes each. And those episodes get double the budget. You know, you see all this money being spent on them At and least. you guys ha- have to tell an arc over 22, 23, now 18, wh- whatever episodes. And I, I, I even said to Eric Wallace, like that's a ma- massive undertaking and making that compelling. There's no way you can hit every every note because it's simply physically impossible and it's not a it's not an acting thing it's not a production thing the show never looks cheap it's just there's too many stories it i mean you're right i agree with you it's you know it's a challenge we've we just wrapped production on season eight and we did 20 episodes of season eight and we've made 171 episodes of the show which is god a lot, which is a lot. If, if the Flash comic book had 171, that's over 10, 15 years. Yes. You know? And they it's only a lot. do it's one a... once a month. <laughs> yeah. And these guys, you know, our writers are churning out a new episode almost every week. You know what I mean? Every other week, basically. Um, so, you know, it, it's challenging for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think and I hope you're right that the show has changed and evolved. And, you know, it, yes, I do think it it you know, it's not fair to compare it to a show that gets, I mean, you're saying double, but I would imagine that there are superhero shows out there who their budget is triple what ours is. Uh, yeah, I would the, imagine you some know. of the, the Marvel shows, but even, even, um, and Greg Berlanti's doing the Green Lantern on HBO Max. Mm. We had Lamont McGee, uh, who worked mm-hmm. on Black Lightning. Uh, he was talking about it and he can just, you can tell that it's only going to be 10, 10 or 13 episodes. You know, he didn't give the number, but it's not going to be 25 episodes and it's not going to be 10 seasons. It's going to be yeah. three seasons and it's going to look like a movie. I mean, my that, husband, that, my husband and I have been talking about this for a few years, just that this, this show as it exists will no longer Right. This is the last one. This. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we're already, we used to do 23 episodes a season this year. We're 20 uh, moving forward. We will be less every year. And, you know, it's, there's, you know, it's, it's really changing. Television is changing. I mean, even, you know, there's still some shows like, um, oh gosh, what are the, all the Dick Wolf, Chicago PD fire, whatever. They still make a lot of episodes. Yeah, I don't think um, the demographic for the Hall of Justice is the same demographic for those things. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we we won't, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to be a part of this show and watch the difference between when we premiered, when most shows still did 20 episodes. And now, you know, as I imagine, we are coming to the end of our our time as a series, um, you know, looking at what could be next, it will certainly not be something that does 23 episodes a season. 
you know, I, I, I come from a sports background, so I have a, a general rule that it is never your place in the media to ask an athlete to retire. Like you never <laughs> tell an athlete to, unless you've done the blood, sweat and tears that they did. They, they can play till they're 75 years old. If, if someone will hire them, someone's going to hire they'll, them. They'll, right. I, I, exactly. So what I, the way I ask it to athletes is the same way I would ask to you is in your mind, and you might not ever verbalize this. Do you think of life after flash? Like what, what do you want from life after flash? And if the flash was, you know, if the flash was an offering season nine, were you ready for that emotionally? And then when you found out that they were coming back with season nine, you say, Holy crap, we're doing this all again. I got to put that makeup on again. Like <laughs> the, the whole thing combined. I, I'm just curious in your mind as a performer, because so much of the last chunk of your life has been this show. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, my life has changed dramatically since I've been on this show. Um, yes. And so to answer your question, yes, of course, I think about life after flash, you know, I, I maybe I've told this story before. Um, but when we did the pilot of the flash, it's just going to be an exclusive. <laughs> when we did the pilot of the flash in February, March of 2014, some of the other actors, we were here, and they were already looking for apartments in Vancouver. And I was like, guys, I've been doing this for a minute, not that long, but I would do this for a minute. And like, this is just a pilot. You don't know that the pilot's going to get picked up. You don't know that people are going to watch the show. Like, yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Like, sure. You can look for an apartment, but like, I don't know, maybe that's a waste of your time. Turns out I was wrong. Uh, so, you know, at that and ever since, you know, for the last couple of years, I've certainly operated under the assumption that, you know, it, this would be our last season, that season seven would be our last season, you know, um, and then it, it always could have been my last season. Um, right. It could always be my last season. Right, because they've written point, off other characters. I mean, they wrote off Robbie Amell, and I don't think they had that plan when they hired him. Uh, well, Robbie was never a series regular. Okay. Unfortunately, but you know, for when you're a series regular, you sign a deal for six years. Um, and so, you know, after mm. that, everything is basically one year at a time. So every year, uh, and this year, I will say season eight more so than any going into season eight, I thought it was our last. I really, I really did. Um, I was, was it because of the movie. No, no. Okay. Uh, I just, in hearing people's conversations I really thought that you know that it was going to be our last season I was shocked when Grant signed on for another year so you know I, I was we were making plans yeah to do life a little differently uh and so I'm sh I'm shocked that there's a season nine <laughs> a lot of people were, <laughs> were shocked uh that it was a season nine if I remember correctly, and you know, I, I didn't take copious notes, so I apologize. You were a guest star on Arrow. Mm -hmm. That was Caitlin's debut. Yes, I was hired to play Caitlin for the pilot of The Flash. And Greg asked if I would also like, Greg Berlanti asked if I would also like to do a guest star on Arrow. Just, you know, I think it's always been in his mind. I don't know if you've had him on your podcast, but no, I, he's- That's another white whale. Okay, now I got two white whales. All right. <laughs> giving me a lot of work. I feel like he, it, he's always understood, you know, this universe and, and 
you know, knew that the fans would want to see the crossovers and things like that. So he was planting the seed from the very beginning. Well, it's amazing to me. Um, you can tell when stuff, and this is something we talk about on this podcast all the time. You can tell when stuff is being made by fans mm -hmm. that we live in a generation where, you know, no disrespect to Richard Donner, for example, who made the Superman movie, but he wasn't trying to make a movie like the comics or the cartoons. Yeah. But Greg Berlanti, uh, Kevin Feige, like some of these guys, yeah. uh, uh, Favreau uh, with the Star Wars, when they are making this stuff, you can tell that they effing love the character mm -hmm. and you can feel it. And I've talked to Jeff Johns about this, not on the podcast, mm -hmm. but we talked about just this idea that you can tell when people love this stuff, because for a fan base who loves this stuff, we have a generation that we grew up with. We mm -hmm. have the 60 years of comics and the, you know, the, the, the 90s TV show. And, you know, I saw the 90s TV show. I was in high school. I saw the 90s TV show. Amazing. It was amazing. And it was cool. And when, when they said they were doing another flash, I was like, another one? That's crazy. Like they did one already. And so <laughs> this idea that, you know, and if you want to give the credit to Berlanti or, but it's, it's everybody who works on these shows, you can tell when they're fans and when it's a job. And yeah. I think it's fair in this modern time where this genre is exploded like this. It's fair to say when you see it the other way around, where it's somebody just cashing a check. I, I am not the expert that you are, but I can, you know, I can attest to the fact that Greg is a genuine fan. And, you know, I think he's always had a vision for all of this that was bigger, certainly than I ever knew. So you, so you knew that there was going to be a pilot, but you didn't know there would be a series when you guest starred on Arrow. Correct. Yes, I'd come up to do the pilot of Flash, February 2014. Uh, and while I was here, I know it's really crazy. <laughs> um, and while I was here, also did a guest star on Arrow because they hadn't finished their season yep. yet. Yep. That's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. You referenced the, uh, the crossovers hmm. and <laughs> that is, that, that is, is, is pretty incredible. And the amount of storytelling that is involved in that um, is off the, off the charts. It's, it's just, it was, it's something that, you know, kids with toys wanted to do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They wanted to see, Superman and 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 Black Lightning and and then this guy and all, all all the Flash and Arrow being friends and they knew each other and the love interests and all this different stuff they knew it when you're making that you know you know what a regular day on the Flash has done you said you've been in 171 some odd episodes you knew what like going to school those days was like there was something special going on you you don't have to be a massive comic book fan to not recognize how wild that must have been. I don't know that I did the first one because the first in season one, you know, the first year that they did the crossovers, it was only, it was only oh two shows. It was only. <laughs> uh, it, and it was just Grant, myself and Los going over to Arrow and Steven and Emily and maybe Ramsey coming over to Flash. So, you know, and, and there were other... <laughs> There were other things happening. It, of course, filming the crossovers. You weren't coincided. having babies then. 
Yes, we weren't having babies then, but you know, the show was premiering and so Grant needed to be uh, in New York for press, I think. So we were shoot. so there, there are scenes that we shot on the Arrow episode where we shot like Stephen and Grant's half first and we shot their portion of it on Thursday and then Friday night because it's always a night shoot like on these shows for the first couple of years it was always superhero stuff it's always dark my gosh yeah bad guys only come out at night right superheroes ever work in the morning (laughs) but anyway filming until the sun came up on saturday morning with a photo double for grant so you know at the time again the show i don't even think the show had aired at that point so uh you know it was it it was a it was a double workload it's Um, daunting yeah Yes. And then, you know, obviously the first one was a success and they just kept getting bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine Uh, it's, 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 it's gotta be pretty wild when they had the culmination, the last one before COVID Mm. the crisis, when they took the time, uh, you know, Mark Guggenheim is getting, gets all kinds of credit for coming up with this idea to go into the other universes, you know, Burt Ward and Tom Welling mm-hmm. and, and Brandon Routh with Superman again and all these different things. And you touched a lot of buttons. And then they got, uh, what's his name? Eric, Mil- uh, Ezra Miller to be, you know, mm-hmm. do that cameo with, with, with the flash. And in this day and age of social media, nobody knew that was coming. I just, I thought it was, it was amazing. And it's a culmination in, in my estimation of being able to do something based on creativity, not budget. You know, yes, the Avengers spent bajillions on that stuff. You know, and, <laughs> yes. and, 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 and it's great. I, I, I don't deny that, that that's not wonderful. I mean, that the whole idea of being in this genre is you're seeing the explosion of a genre, but we never did an episode where we just reviewed episodes of a tv show we usually wait mm-hmm. for a season to be over and then you know we do the, the sum of the whole uh, of its parts and those crossovers the elseworlds one the, uh, the 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 one where flash is going up against arrow and it had its own theme song and it had some, mm-hmm. and they just made it different and mm-hmm. i just would imagine from your standpoint it always keeps it fresh like that you never got into a routine because it was always something new Yes, it certainly keeps it fresh. And, you know, I'm also not Grant or Stephen or Katie, and I don't have to be in all places at once. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to go to other shows, you know, and be on Legends and see friends on Legends. And, you know, that show is different from ours. And, you know, an Arrow, that that set and is different from ours. So, you know, it, it was nice to switch it up. Yeah, the, the, uh, the other one was when Grant went to Supergirl. That mm-hmm. was nuts. And that they was raced. season two, I think. Yeah. And they raced. And I was like, that is so unique. Um, tell me about the idea in this in the beginning when the reveal that Tom Cavanaugh was the bad guy. What was that whole experience like? And when did you know? Because in the beginning, he's like a mentor to Caitlin. But do you know where it's all going where he's revealed there's that big reveal of him being the reverse flash. And this is no offense. And I said this to Eric Wallace, when he was on the pod, you can't beat that. Like you, the, 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 you can't, you can only have one big reveal that one time. Like, (laughs) like you can't, you can't do it again. And when that happened, I just wonder what it was like, because Tom is such a magnetic personality 
I I don't know. I, I talk about this on this podcast podcast too much. You know that he has a podcast. Yes, Tom and Mike eat snacks. Where they, where they eat Mike and Tom and they, eat snacks. I listened to him talk about Oreos for forty five minutes. I couldn't find my phone. I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> Can you imagine going to work with that man every day? It, it, might, it must have been nuts. But then he's revealed as the big bad, and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of actors have said, you know, on this show and on other media. You know, it's always fun to play the bad guy. You know, you get, I'm sure Frost, you know, introduces mm. this, this, this whole element from an acting standpoint. But what was it like working with Tom? When did you find out that Tom was the big bad guy? To be honest, I think I knew from the beginning that Tom was the big bad. Um, and they did such a good job of hiding it. And I think this is also a Greg thing. Again, why he's such a good storyteller is he just doesn't leave anything on the table. He always says, don't save it, use it. Like whatever your best idea is, just go for it. You'll come up with another one next season. So um, I thought it was stellar and, you know, the layers that I think it gave Tom to play were so fun. And, but yeah, I don't, I mean, it's been eight seasons and they still haven't topped I mean, how do you ever top reverse flash as a villain for flash? That was nuts. That was crazy when it was, when it came out as him. All right. uh, So it's been a couple of weeks and now we've given uh, people a little bit of time to pause the podcast and and watch the episodes. They've seen it. Uh, Frost is no more. She, 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 she's over. Uh, Mm -hmm. You had this death scene and you had to mourn your own death because again, you're playing these two people. (laughs) I still can't get over that. Um, what about the thought that, you know, I didn't know that it was only supposed to be a part-time thing. And, you know, I, I just wondered what it was like to see, you know, many actors, if they have a death scene, they usually have to leave a show <laughs> and, yes. and you get to stay on <laughs> and you get to be uh, Caitlin some more, but what, what was, what was that whole like? And what was that whole experience like? What was your um, reaction? I was were, you sad, were you sad as the fans were? I don't know if I was as sad as the fans were. Um, I was surprised that Eric was, when Eric again pitched the season to me, I did say to him, I was like, but are we really killing her? Like oftentimes on these shows, no one's ever actually dead. Exactly. Uh, And he was uh, emphatic in his response that no, we're really killing her. And I think that is what worked for me is like, I wanted it to be a real death. I didn't want it to be a fake out. uh, you know, that, that didn't feel justified, like pretending but there were to red herrings in it. I mean, there, Caitlin was like, she was in, unconscious for a while and you thought maybe frost lives and Caitlin doesn't. And I mean, it, it did have its fair share of red herrings. Yes, it did. Um, so again, a testament to the writers and this, you know, I mean, Eric pitched this to me last season. I think they weren't even done <laughs> I don't think they'd even finished season seven and he already had this idea for season eight. So he didn't, um, he didn't tell us a thing that bastard like that. That (laughs) Uh, So I, you know, I'm sad to see her go. It was, it's been an interesting journey with Frost because it was something that, you know, Killer Frost was something that I was told was both potential and then to see Killer Frost come and then see how she changed from Frost, you know, and then to flip back and forth between the two characters. So you knew season one because, you know, Caitlin Snow was was in the comics as she was Killer Frost. So you know that there was the chance of that all along? I did. I did. And there's a moment at the end of season one where Barry's like running through the speed force and he can, speed force, I think that's what it is. And he sees flashes of things and he sees 
Frost. He sees Killer Frost uh, as she was for a minute there. So, you know, I knew it was something that was coming. I didn't know when. Um, and again, I was excited to play the villain, especially because Caitlin, particularly in the early seasons, was a little bit more of a goody two shoes. So um, it, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I will miss her. She was fun. She was feisty. Do you get the sense um, that fans will look at, you know, because of the emotional arc that now she goes through, that Caitlin's legacy is is almost cemented? because of this whole frost run that that you know even though you were there for the beginning parts of the season when people look back if if i'm going to a the random flash fan and i say tell me about season one well you know uh kavanaugh becomes reverse flash well now caitlin becomes killer frost and you know i guess they took the killer out because i mean it is the cw and I, 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 I <laughs> she didn't it. really live up to her you know she threatened to kill a lot of people yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't think she actually killed anyone <laughs> that's right that's right but just the idea of you know cementing in the legacy of the whole thing i mean if you're going to go through a run and you're going to go to close to 200 episodes you know you want it to be do you think about legacies like that i like i i think about things that i've done in my career and i just wonder what you're known for and do you you'll be you'll be connected to this character i will certainly be connected to these characters i don't know that i think about a legacy like I think about good storytelling I think ultimately that's what's compelling to me and to go back to what we were initially talking about when Eric said we were killing her off the fact that she was really dead and it wasn't you know just something to mess with the audience uh I think is is better storytelling so I don't necessarily think about legacy I you know as I said earlier I do I will always be connected to this show and these characters. Uh, it's changed my life in so many ways, but I don't know that I've, I've considered the legacy. It's a okay. big word. Yeah, well, we're a very deep podcast. You, <laughs> um, you, you worked with uh, Robbie Amel. Uh, mm -hmm. Your character was supposed to, to marry or married him. Uh, and then he was Firestorm uh, with, with the guy from the Titanic, which I Victor Garber, which was amazing. And I was amazing. Like, the guy from the Titanic was in the it was crazy. <laughs> still blows my mind, too. <laughs> um, and, and now he's on that show Upload, which is mm -hmm. incredible. It's adorable. And, I'm behind. I haven't seen I haven't seen season two, but it's adorable. Well, and the irony, like the, 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 the Kevin Bacon of the whole thing is uh, he's on that show Upload with Andy Allo. Um, and Andy Allo, she plays the main character on, on Upload. And I know her oh. uh, because uh, in 2013, before, I'll probably take this part out, but uh, in 2013, <laughs> before we started this podcast, I worked with Prince. Oh, and wow. I did something for a year with, I, I hosted a talk show uh, that Prince produced. Wow. And Andy Allo was in his band. Oh, wow. So, I watched Upload because of her. Right. And then I said, wait a minute, but that's Firestorm. <laughs> and, and <I'm laughs> that's like, half of Firestorm. Right. So when when I realized that you were coming on this podcast and I'm thinking about the death scene and the, the, the big bad in this, in this whole mm. experience is Robbie Amell. And all I want to know is, what was he, what did he say about Upload? How cool is Upload? <laughs> it's great. I mean, I think he loves the job. I mean, you would have to ask him. I adore Robbie and was so thrilled when you were able to get him back, even for as limited time as we were. You know, I had my fingers crossed because 
upload also films here in Vancouver. So I kept texting him being like, do you know when you're coming back? Do you know when you're starting? Uh, you know, cause our season, our season was initially only supposed to be 18 episodes and then it was 20 episodes. So there was a little bit of shifting. They always knew that they wanted the death storm arc to be sort of the second graphic novel of these three graphic novels for season eight. Um, and so yes, that, that has been explained. Eric Wallace explained the whole graphic novel thing. Yeah, which I think shows. is great. I mean, to go really back to our smart. earlier yeah. conversation about, you know, how many episodes we have to fill, yep. having, you know, rather than having one big bad last year, 23 episodes, having a big bad who is five-ish episodes is, is I think, smart for our show right now. Um, so anyway, I, I, <laughs> I was looking forward to having Robbie back and it was yeah. great. It was so nice to have him here. And I think he too is excited to play a villain. And I think he loves that he's the one who ultimately killed Frost. He was like, the fans are going to hate me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, the social media has been hysterical. And I, I, I generally like to wrap up these podcasts with uh, a conversation about how people can reach out to you and, 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 and whatnot. But um, lately, we've been having people on with some crazy numbers on social media. How did Instagram become such a thing for you? Where, again, I'm not, where did this come from? You have millions of people who follow you on Instagram. And I mean, you're, you're not a criminal. You didn't, you didn't do anything <laughs> controversial. You, 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 you know, you don't have this sordid past. Like, where did this all come from and how is it that how do you feel about with the toxicity that social media can have mm. you're having like the ultimate social media success like you you have a lot of freaking followers thank you i don't love this podcast <laughs> i i i don't necessarily know that i'd agree with you about having a lot of success i do have a lot of followers you know it is still shocking to me and i am i am grateful i think you know i have been a public figure if you want to call it for a long time you know i've been acting for sure. almost 20 years um and i think that's part of it and you know i've certainly had my struggles with social media over the years and now as a parent um yeah. You know, I, I look at it very differently. So it's, um, I think it's a constantly evolving relationship just in terms of having boundaries. I do like being able to connect with the fans, um, you know. Is that what happens on, on it? Like, I mean, I'm sure you get your slew of idiots on that thing, but but do a lot of people you just know what? say there's lots of ways to do filters and um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just happily, imagine. I can I'll just happily imagine. send you all of my uh, tips tricks. and tricks. <laughs> but I, I guess, um, you know, the interesting part about it from the you're you're a performer who has, you know, you have jobs and mm -hmm. you, your career is going to continue on. And, you know, the flash will be a distant memory and some people will be listening to this podcast years in the future but this idea that wherever you go this social media stuff continues and it and it follows you I mean literally follows you I I, I just have to imagine you didn't have high expectations like no one joins no. for any reason but when did you start to see holy crap I have a like this is a lot of people like more people than watch the flash on a regular basis any of these CW shows Oh, really? We had, we, had, we had Liz Gillies on the show, and that was the most followers I'd ever seen a human being get. 
That's and that's so funny. But that was because of teenagers. You know what I mean? She was on that Nickelodeon show and, and oh. that, you know, and that's where I thought that that went. Um, a quick, funny story. Um, I do this tech thing. Um, there's this tech podcast that I'm a part of. And I said that Instagram should be 18 and over. Mm. And I'll take this out of the podcast, but Instagram should be 18 and over because you can't put the onus on the parent to take in you. A parent cannot take Instagram away when everyone else in their class has it. Yeah. You know, and we watch what my kids do on that stuff, but, but I couldn't take it away. Like, unless she commits, you know, a crime, I can't take Instagram away. And what I would love is for Instagram to be the bad guy, make it 18 and over and take it away from all these kids. I know it's so hard. And I think about, you know, being in middle school and how hard that was for me and, you know, being bullied and made fun of. And, you know, then if someone bullies you, they have to watch and and see the reaction that their words or actions are having on you. The fact that the internet allows people to do mean things anonymously um, and without repercussion is is challenging for me. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Yes, absolutely. I would love to see Instagram be 18 and older, but at the end of the day, they're a company and they want to make money. And I think, you know, the appeal to Instagram is this, it's like everything, everything looks beautiful on Instagram. Everything looks amazing all the time. (laughs) It's crazy. So I don't know that they're going to do that. No, you know, it's, it's, it's shifted a lot for me over the years to go to your original question. No, I was, I was hesitant to join in the first place. I, you know, Facebook was a thing when I was in college and I joined only because, you know, well, now I feel that was, yeah, <laughs> but, but because like UCLA was one of the first colleges that I think was yeah. allowed to be yeah, yeah. on Facebook, you know what I mean? When they were just doing sure. one college at a time and I didn't mean to make you feel old, but that is no. making me feel a little old. <laughs> and then, but so that was like a personal thing, but from a professional standpoint, I've, I'm a little more old school and I want people to believe me in whatever role I play. Hmm. So I was certainly a little hesitant at the beginning because it's like, well, if you just see me eating ice cream all day, like, are you going to believe <laughs> that I, you know what I mean? Like, are you going to believe I'm this, uh, whatever character I want to play next week? So I was hesitant to join and, you know, I still have a lot of boundaries with social media. Um, and, you know, I think that's just how I have to go about it and, you know, make it a place that I can still be present and be my authentic self and interact with fans, but also know that it's okay to take a step back. I mean, I have limits on all the apps um, and, you know, oh, yeah. so self-imposed like time absolutely. limits. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And when you hit them, I'm like 20 minutes, like how did I spend 20 minutes on this? Like one, it feels like it goes by like that. And two, like, what about all the millions of other things I have on my to-do list that I could yeah, have done? When, when the baby comes, when baby number two comes and you're, you know, you're homebound because you're, you're taking care of it and you said you wrap production on, on the show, 20 minutes on Instagram, there's no way you're going to do 20 minutes. Oh, no, I disagree. I actually, I, I will take a break because I, you know, I don't know that social media is always healthy for us again. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure how present I will be because I do to a certain extent, look at social media as part of my work. Like it is part of my professional life and, 
uh, framing it that do they way. Encourage, do, 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 do not just the flash, but do, do jobs encourage promotion of that stuff? Like if you, you know, if you say, Hey everyone, <laughs> there's a new episode of the flash. Like I put out the podcast, but I own the podcast. So no one tells right. me I have to do that. My husband's an entertainment attorney and we could have a very lengthy conversation oh. about this in terms of, you know, maybe he I, come on. Yeah, maybe, but like, you know, it is my personal Instagram. And so, right. you know, I know when you have a contract where, you know, like these influencers, they get paid to post, like <laughs> they are getting paid to post something and, you know, they are reaping the benefits of it. Um, I think Warner brothers, you know, I think I've been very vocal with them over the years because I've had, again, as I've said, a complicated relationship and some tough stuff happen uh, mm. on social media over the years. And it didn't seem fair that the studios were asking us to promote the show and not offering any other kinds of support. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Warner Brothers, I would say in the last two years has really tried to make a big effort to shift that. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, so, you know, it, it, they, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, it's it complicated sounds, also yeah. because I'm aware that, you know, a lot of the fans that I have on social media are from the show and they want to know about the show. And so I want oh, sure. to engage with them and share with them what I can, but I'm also trying to be cognizant of spoilers and also be, respectful of other people like I don't think it's appropriate to post a photo of someone without their consent consent. yeah I agree with that um you know even if it's just a story that's going to disappear I you know as I will tell my kids like anything you put on the internet stays out there forever so just be mindful well the thing you know that you notice about the CW because it skews younger um, one thing I always notice is if you ever look at the iTunes charts, the flash and, Lo- and Superman are always near the top of the iTunes charts, like every huh. week, the episodes. So that means people are buying these episodes. Like they're buying, you know, they buy them, how people consume this stuff nowadays, you know, it's not flipping on your CW affiliate. I mean, I, I haven't had cable in five years, so I, you know, I, I don't know when's it on it's on the next morning on hulu that's how i know Mm -hmm. that's that's when i see the flash and and so this idea that you know because people are seeing it at all different times i would imagine they're looking at those numbers and it factors into whether or not they want to continue with your project because people are looking at that you you know you joke about you you made the comment about the influencers my and it reminds me of the story in california there's this guy who owns an ice cream truck And these influencers were coming up to him asking for free ice cream, saying they'll take pictures of it and put it on their Instagrams. And so he made a sign on his ice cream truck that says, if you're an influencer, you pay double. (laughs) That's funny. Um, What can fans expect in the final whatever episodes there are left? What Give us a teaser of, you don't have to spoil anything, but give us a teaser of what can fans expect. What I said to Eric Wallace was, you have this unenviable task of trying to constantly top the season before. Mm -hmm. And now you're in eight, nine, and I I, I can't even imagine, but good that it's, it's hard. Okay. We know it's hard. What can fans expect? 
Um, well, from a selfish perspective, there will be less Caitlin. Uh, there will be less of me because I directed episode 17. So um, they started to write me a lot lighter, um, which is, you know, for every episode, it takes us eight or nine days to film an episode, but there's also seven days of prep before that and four days of post after that. So and if you're it's directing, about a month. You're, you're working on all of them. Yes, absolutely. So this year they did a really great job of lightening my workload on camera um, so that I could focus more on the um, directing aspect. So I direct episode 17. Um, that is actually our bottle episode, uh, which comes with our, our own challenge, its own challenges. What does Usually that mean? explain to the audience what is a bottle episode? I'm sure Google could explain it better than I can, but basically once a season, maybe <laughs> twice a season, um, there is an episode of a television show where they sort of pare things down uh, in an effort to oftentimes save money. So uh, you don't go on location as much. Uh, uh, in our case, okay. I have one less day of shooting than most other directors mm -hmm. have. So a lot um, of it's going to take place in the Star Labs. It takes place on one of our sets. I'll yeah, tell you there that you go. Much. Okay. I, uh, we, I think we. I love that somebody's going to tweet me now and, and they're listening to the podcast. I'm driving in my car listening to your podcast. You asked me to Google something. <laughs> I, I know that's coming. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's this, it's um, it was a new challenge for me. That's, you know, I love directing and I'm so grateful that I've been given the opportunity to do it so many different times on the show. And I've learned so much and each each season has presented its own challenges. But um, I'm excited for this episode. Um, I know Eric was really happy with the way it turned out. So awesome. um, that's episode 17. And then the last run, I mean, 18, 19, 20 are massive. And <laughs> oh boy. I remember in particular reading the first draft of the finale, episode 820, written by Eric, and just thinking, how are they ever going to pull this off? Um, well, that's what I, that, see, now that's what fans want to hear. That'll be the, <laughs> that'll be the clip that'll get, uh, get stolen from us. I see. So um, they're huge. I mean, they're huge, and there's a lot of familiar faces, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the episode as a fan of the show, as well as someone who works on it. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Well, uh, I can speak for the audience in saying um, what you guys have put on the, the air for the last eight years has been truly remarkable. Um, oh, it's a it's a massive undertaking. Like I said, you already agreed to come on the show. So it, no one's putting me up to saying this. I, I, I often say that, you know, we're completely um, open, you know, we don't have to love everything that, that comes out there. The Flash has always been a phenomenal show and uh it, it is uh quite a you you may not care about legacies but it is a <laughs> massive massive show and uh for fans it has it has been uh, certainly something um i know that uh you know with the second baby coming you are going to be the busiest human in the world <laughs> uh someone who has to i remember those days very well it's been nice <laughs> knowing you. <laughs> Thank you. This was a lovely chat. I'm glad we were able to get it we'll in see, before we'll my whole world got turned upside down. We'll see you in five years. No, um, I, we have you have an open invite. I'd love to have you back. Uh, maybe when Thank the Flash you. finishes its run and you go yeah. on and can announce your next thing or whatever the next project is. Uh, congratulations uh, from from anyone and at least from myself uh, on your success. And uh, I've been thrilled to have this conversation. Thank you. Me too. I really appreciate it. Daniel Panabaker. Love that story. That's so much fun. 
Check her out on social media. Wish her best wishes on her upcoming child. And check out the rest of season eight of The Flash. We have had now Eric Wallace on, the showrunner, and now one of the original cast members. We are covering this show, and we are seeing it through till the very, very end. Next week on the podcast, we're going to go back to the animated style. We're talking to Beast Boy himself, Greg Sipes. He is, of course, from Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go! Whichever your drug of choice, Craig Sipes is the man, and we'll be talking to him next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Believe it or not.